Hi there. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Father Patrick, and this is our podcast for College Catholics. St. Margaret Mary was a religious sister who lived in France from 1647 to 1690. And she's mostly known because our Lord Jesus Christ appeared to her many times and revealed to her his sacred heart and asked her to promote the devotion to the sacred heart. Most of the images of the sacred heart that you see today are based off of the descriptions that St. Margaret Mary left us in her writings. She describes our Lord appearing to her in a human form and showing his divine heart, which was enveloped in a sort of furnace of love, crowned with thorns and with a wound on the side and surmounted by a cross. Now, what I found most interesting of these apparitions of our Lord is that most of them, uh, most of the cases, he appeared to her while she was in adoration, before the Most Blessed Sacrament exposed in a monstrance. By the way, a monstrance is like a metallic sunburst held up on a base, and in the middle there's a place where the priest can place the consecrated host, protected by glass, so that the faithful can adore the host while actually seeing it. So Jesus would appear to St. Margaret Mary when she was in adoration before the monstrance, and he would appear to her as if he were walking to her from the monstrance, like coming from inside or from, from the place where the monstrance was toward her. So it was in a sense like a confirmation that Jesus was there in the host and came forward from the host toward her to speak to her. So I have been uh, speaking in the previous episodes, in these past episodes, about the Eucharistic miracles, about the Eucharistic, uh, the, the Eucharist as a sacrifice of Christ, and about the types or foreshadowings of this sacrament that appear both in the Old and the New Testaments. So today we will look at some aspects of the sacrament of the Eucharist insofar as it is a presence. So first of all, the Eucharist is one of the seven sacraments of the Church. And in that sense, it has been instituted directly by our Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, he instituted it during the Last Supper with his apostles, the night before he would suffer and die on the cross. That supper was the Passover meal, a liturgical meal, that reminded the Jews of the escape from Egypt. But at the same time, it was a foreshadowing of the Eucharist. In that sense, the supper that our Lord celebrated was actually the fulfillment of the Passover meal that the Jews had celebrated for so many centuries. Now, the ordinary minister of this sacrament is the Catholic priest or the bishop validly ordained, right? So they are the ones who can celebrate this sacrament of the Eucharist, the Mass and the consecration. The matter of the sacrament is, on the one hand, wheat bread without any additives, and on the other hand, grape wine and a small drop of water. The form of the sacrament, based on the words of Christ and approved by the Catholic Church, is the following. On the bread to be consecrated, the priest, during the Mass, must say, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. And on the wine, 
that will be consecrated, the priest must say, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. However, it is uh, important to know that the priest cannot consecrate the bread or the wine separately from each other or outside the context of the Mass. So, from what we have said before regarding the form and the matter of this sacrament, if one, for example, uses grape juice instead of wine, or a bread made of rice instead of wheat, or if it is celebrated by a person who is not a Catholic priest, or the priest changes substantially the words of consecration, this sacrament is invalid, and therefore the bread and the wine are still bread and wine. They haven't been consecrated into the body and blood of Christ, because some of the elements have not been the proper elements for that sacrament to be valid. Now, coming to the most important aspect of today's episode. As I mentioned before, the Eucharist has like a double aspect or double reality to it. On the one hand, there is an aspect of sacrifice. And what I mean by this is that the Eucharist is the very same sacrifice of Christ that was offered on the cross, now offered on the altar of our churches. Now, on the other hand, there is another aspect, the aspect of presence. And what this means is that Jesus is truly present in the consecrated bread and wine and remains present even after the Mass is over. One of the greatest mysteries and gifts that we have in the Catholic Church is the fact that in the Eucharist, Jesus Christ himself is present. And this is the greatest treasure, the greatest gift that we have. It is truly a hidden treasure, like the one that appears in the Gospel, Matthew 13, 44. It's one of those things that we wish we could explain better, but the human words, the human expressions, always fall short because it's truly a mystery, something that we cannot completely comprehend or completely express. In fact, this wording that I said about Jesus being present in the Eucharist is definitely correct, but in some other way it can lead to some misconception because Jesus is not present in the bread and wine as if the bread and wine were containing the being of Jesus. The proper expression would be that Jesus is the Blessed Sacrament. The Eucharist is the very Jesus himself. The teaching of Jesus Christ and the Catholic faith is that in the Most Holy Eucharist, after the consecration of the Mass, there is no longer bread and wine, but Jesus Christ himself. So that you see, what you see is bread, and what you see is wine, but there is no longer bread and wine. That thing is Jesus Christ himself. However, only the appearances remain of the bread and of the wine. So obviously, it is a mystery that we cannot completely understand with our 
rationality. It doesn't make sense to our reason, we could say. But here we can benefit from some philosophical concepts. Everything, every material being, is composed of two things, we could say. The outward appearances, which in philosophy we call accidents, like the height, the weight, the color, the appearance of something, and so forth. And on the other hand, the substance, or the being of that thing. For example, the entity of a cow, or the entity of a dog, or the entity of a human being. In our natural physical world, these things always go together. The accidents go together with the substance. And the accidents actually manifest what the substance is. For example, you can identify a tree by its shape and its color, and the color of the trunk and the color of the leaves. You can recognize a dog by its shape, its barking, its hair, etc. In a sense, we could say that the substance or the being of a thing is what is below the accidents, although that expression is not completely correct. But it helps to understand a little bit what we mean by substance, right? what is below the accidents. But what is unique and miraculous in the case of the Eucharist is that at the consecration, a very particular thing happens. The accidents, or appearance, also called the species of the bread and the wine, remain while the substance of the bread and the wine disappears. And in place of the substance of the bread and wine, we now have the substance of Jesus Christ. But the accidents are still the ones of the bread and the wine. So the thing that is there now is Jesus Christ himself, the being of Jesus Christ, the entire being of Christ. But the accidents, the appearances, the species, we call them, are those of the bread and the wine. We see bread and wine. We touch bread and wine. We taste the bread and we taste the wine. But the thing is now Jesus Christ with his body, his blood, his soul, and his divinity, completely and entirely present, both under the species of bread and in the species of wine. So, when we receive the host, we receive the entire Jesus Christ with his body, blood, soul, and divinity. When we receive the wine, consecrated wine, of course, we call it wine, it's no longer wine, we receive the body, the blood, the soul, and the divinity of Jesus Christ. And this is what we call then the transubstantiation, the changing of the substance of the bread and the wine into the substance of Jesus Christ, while the accidents of the bread and the wine remain. This is why I was saying that the best expression would be to say that the Eucharist is Jesus Christ. During the Mass, what I as a priest hold after the consecration is Jesus Christ. I'm not holding something that contains Jesus Christ. I'm holding Jesus Christ himself. This is why the Church insists on the importance of understanding and preserving some words and expressions in our faith, like in this case, the word and the concept of transubstantiation. You need to know what it means. You need to use it, and you need to use it when explaining this mystery to others. So, it is correct to say that Jesus is truly present, that tr Jesus is really present, 
in the Eucharist. But none of these two words describe exactly what is happening. So to say that Jesus is substantially present describes more exactly what is happening in the Eucharist, although it might require a little bit more of explanation. So, now that we described how Jesus is in the Blessed Sacrament, we can look at some consequences of that manner of existing in the Eucharist. The first conclusion is that the Jesus that is in the Eucharist is exactly the same one that is in heaven. And he is in the Eucharist in exactly the same way that he is in heaven. So he is glorified, he is risen, and he is full of power. He is God, present in the Eucharist. A second conclusion is that because it is Jesus Christ himself, and entirely, who is there in the Eucharist, the consecrated host deserves our adoration. All human beings and all the angels owe adoration to Jesus in the most blessed sacrament. When you are in front of the tabernacle with the Eucharist in it, when you are in front of the monstrance with the blessed sacrament exposed, or when you are receiving Jesus in communion, you are in front of God himself, your creator, physically present right there before your eyes. So you must adore him. You and I owe a worship of adoration to Jesus Christ and the Most Blessed Sacrament. This is why I encourage you to visit Jesus in the tabernacle daily, if possible, and to go to adore him when he is solemnly exposed in the monstrance as frequently as you can, when time and schedule permits. So this is our first duty as God's creatures. This is our first duty before God, before him who is our creator, and before him who is our Redeemer. So in the next episode, I will dedicate some time to uh, explain uh, further the consequences of the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And I will look into the fruits of adoring Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and fruits of receiving him in Holy Communion. Until then, I hope you can go and put into practice some of these ideas that I presented today. Adoring Jesus in the Eucharist, visiting him more frequently and more fruitfully. Thank you very much for spending your time with me today. Please share this episode with your friends to encourage others to love our Lord in the Most Blessed Sacrament, which is our first duty as God's creatures, as human beings. May God bless you, and we will see you next time.